0: Hello, welcome to the Purple and Bold Podcast. I'm Shane Metlin from the Daily News Record. This is your JMU Sports Podcast, where we talk everything about the Dukes. Got plenty to get into this week with a huge Sunduck Conference football game in Harrisonburg on Saturday. Uh, before we do that, let's just kind of run through what's happened in the rest of the JMU Sports landscape. It's been a big fall for the Dukes across the board we can start it off talking about the Jamie volleyball team which is in the midst of a uh, very good potentially historic season for the Dukes they're number 15 in RPI in the country kind of on the verge they're getting votes of a national ranking if they continue to win at the rate they are Um, of four losses on the season three of those are two teams ranked in the top 15 Um, and they opened up Sunbelt conference play with six straight victories, including back-to-back sweeps of Old Dominion to get JMU started off right in the Royal Rivalry standings. Um, That's now two and a half For JMU to a half point for ODU after a tie in women's soccer, which we'll get to momentarily. But just wanted to start it off with uh, some little recognition for the JMU volleyball team, which um, has just absolutely dominated the Sun Belt since joining that conference, continues to do so, so far. Um, As I record this, they're getting ready to, um, they'll probably be starting in about an hour, hour and a half or so. um, From the convo against Georgia State, looking for a Thursday, Friday victories so they can uh, stay unbeaten in conference play. Um, That would, you know, give them one Sunbelt loss uh, since joining the conference, and they've avenged that loss to Texas State on uh, multiple occasions now at this point. Um, Really just looking like the the class of what's a pretty solid volleyball league, one that could possibly get two teams into the NCAA tournament. Um, Really just can't Say too much about Lauren Steinbrecher's team, how they've, you know, handled some adversity, their injuries early in the year. Now they get Caroline Dozier, uh, an all conference setter, back after um, really fantastic play from freshman Rebecca Watkins while she was missing. Uh, Just really been a great start to the season for those Dukes. Um, Also, right in the midst of uh, soccer season, which has been a Good season for the Sun Belt in general, and you know, still, you know, potentially, um, potentially big season for both JMU squads on the women's side. Uh, JMU women are um, unbeaten in Sun Belt play, but they sit just behind ODU in second place, um, with 12 points to ODU's 13. As I mentioned, those two teams uh, tied in their regular season matchup. Um, which gave ODU their only tie of the season. JMU has six ties this year. Um, it's been, you know, I think I believe an eight game unbeaten streak for the Dukes at this point, but they've been tying a lot. They have a 6 2 and 6 overall record, um, have tied two matches in a row. They're 3 0 and 3 in the Sun Belt. Um, so interesting. It once again. One of the best defensive squads in the country, just very, very difficult to score against. The offense doesn't always um, back them up with enough goals to uh, get victories, but you're going to be a very, very tough team to beat when you're looking at um, when you're looking at a team that you just can't score upon. Um, so they're right there up at the top of the. Standings in the East Division, as I mentioned, they're one point below ODU. When you look at the conference standings as a whole, they're two points back of South Alabama, who's four zero and two coming out of the West and eleven zero and three. It's it's getting to be a deeper, really good women's soccer league. I don't know if it's a multi bid league quite yet, but JMU, ODU, South Alabama seem to be among those who will be in contention for that conference championship, the way things are going. On the men's side, the number three overall conference in the nation, uh, according to RPI, um, JMU's been in and out of the national polls this season. They've struggled a little bit, but they've gotten two um, good ties here recently, including one against um, West Virginia team that's ranked in the top three nationally. The conference standings are very interesting. Marshall is running away with this thing right now. They're four zero in conference play, eleven zero overall. The number one team in the country, um, for a reason. Um, they have the win over UCF, who's you know also ranked right up there and is in second place in conference. JMU, you know, they're kind of feeling the pain of playing in such a good conference They're Four, three and four overall, also tying a lot of matches, O two and two in league play, looking for that first league win, um, which would, you know, give them the getting the points from a victory as opposed to a tie would really get them up there. Um but, you know, they've got Kentucky who's underperformed so far. Kentucky O three and one, uh, in conference play right now. They were originally considered, you know, one of the top teams in the country. Uh they're struggling in conference play, which shows you just how deep of a league this is on it's the like kind of football, about it. on the uh, soccer side of things. But the JMU men could get right back into it with a victory or two, and I still think would probably be you know, in the discussion for an at-large bid in the NCAA tournament, as good as this conference is, if they can... You know, pull off some uh, some needed victories here, get over the hump um, where they've been tying quite a bit. But you know, that's a little bit of a uh, full sport um, recap uh, outside of football. But I know the vast majority of the listeners here were uh, tuning in to hear about the Duke's football coming off the bye week, where they had a chance to prepare for Georgia Southern. Didn't knock a 5 0 JMU team a year ago. JMU comes back into this one 5 0 again. They're playing at home. Uh, the weather may be a factor. We'll a lot to get into as we uh, discuss what to expect from the Dukes and Eagles, with both teams coming off a bye week here, right at the midpoint of the college football season. So, Dukes and the Eagles. Coming to this one, JMU 5 and 0, 2 0 in Sunbelt play. Uh, Georgia Southern 4 and 1, the only loss on the road to Wisconsin. They are 1 and 0 in Sunbelt play. This is a huge East Division matchup. Uh, both of these two teams are certainly in contention, look like, um, you know, maybe the two, you know, with Marshall, um, maybe the two most impressive teams in the conference so far Georgia Southern you look at their record they have the loss at Wisconsin in a typical day for Davis Brin uh, throwing five interceptions in that game you know you take those turnovers away Georgia Southern really dominated that game statistically in a lot of areas um I think they outgained Wisconsin they had more first downs they were moving the ball deep into Badger territory routinely in that game. Turnovers really just killed them. Davis Brin has just two interceptions outside of that game, uh, Twelve, at least 12 touchdowns. He's been a very solid quarterback play, which is what you would expect from Clay Helton's Georgia Southern team. Um, you saw this with Kyle Van Treese last year bringing in the transfer, a veteran experience transfer from a group of five program. Davis Brin comes from Tulsa where, you know, he's topping the numbers of what he did. And you look at, you know, what, what Kurt Signetti has done with his quarterbacks. You look at what happened with, um, with Todd Santeo last year, they're getting decent. Um, I think they still want some more, out of Jordan McLeod, but his numbers are good this year. You look at that and then you look at Clay Helton, very similar situations with, uh, Vantrese and now, Davis Brin coming into uh, Statesboro and getting you know, Georgia Southern off to a good start. We'll talk about the offenses a lot, but I think we'll able to talk about both teams defenses because, you know, they're right up there among the best defenses in the Sun Belt. Georgia Southern actually leads the conference in scoring defense, only allowing, uh, 20 points per game. JMU is just behind uh 22 points per game there in fourth. It's it's tied at the top, Troy, South Alabama, JMU. Um teams you would expect um you know in the second, third and fourth spots, but Georgia Southern this is an improvement on their defense right now. Um you know JMU is absolutely stellar when it comes to rush defense. Average, allowing only 38.6 yards per game uh, just an incredible number um, leading the country in that category. but George Southerns improved. they're giving up 140 yards per game. They did play a you know good running team in Wisconsin. Um, you know they're improved in that department. They are you know middle of the pack in uh, passing defense but they're just not only teams put up a lot of points on them. JMU, on the other hand, um, is dead last in the conference in pass defense. They're allowing 311.4 yards per game through the air and facing this Georgia Southern team that, though with a different quarterback, threw for 574 yards in that game at Statesboro last year where Georgia Southern pulled out the late victory to hand JMU their first loss of the season. They want to do it again they want to do it through the air again uh, I, I do sort of wonder about the matchup where you know, they picked apart jmu with quick slants the you know quick release things like that last year um really found some holes in the middle of the field and just like i said just really picked apart jmu that way on some quick hitting passing attacks this season, JMU, his weakness has sort of been defending the deep ball, missing some assignments downfield, or, you know, not picking up the guy that they're supposed to pick up, um, and letting teams get deep on them, go letting teams go over the top. I mean, look at their next JMU's next two games, though, and I wonder if it's an opportunity for a secondary to kind of um, make some improvements on these poor numbers so far, because neither one of these teams in Georgia Southern or Marshall aren't necessarily the ones that will go deep and over the top on a team so much where they want to go across the middle. And, you know, Jamie's done a relatively decent job of that so far, in part because they've got a defensive line that gets their hands up and makes it a little difficult to throw in the passing lanes and those kinds of, you know, air raid type of things where um, the ball's going through certain Certain you know passing lanes at the line of scrimmage, um, Jamie's defensive line can make that difficult on a team. Jamie's also got great linebackers. They've got young secondaries with speed and closing speed that likes to hit on some of those plays across the middle. Um, you'll see, and it's just been mainly uh, tough you know assignments, blowing some plays, getting beat deep. That's really hurt them in the secondary in the passing game they've had an entire week to work on you know learning those roles and you know studying what they're what they're going to do and having more recognition of things the plays that they see i would think we'll see an improvement of jmu along those lines here in the uh, Coming weeks, I mean, especially this week, coming off the bye I would think that would have been a huge focus. You also just got guys, you know, talk about you know D'Angelo Pons having a great freshman season as a true freshman quarterback. It's just going to get better and better. And you've got your guys who are your, um, you know, veteran safeties who I think have been responsible for some of the big mistakes so far this season. And you would just expect those guys to eventually kind of answer the call, uh, respond to. Um, the coaches getting on them because i don't think they're shying away from that being the case and you think you'd eventually start to see a little bit more of those guys you also got some guys that are just banged up um i think among those veteran safeties they're playing through some injuries and stuff uh not doing a ton in practice but you know getting out there and playing in the games and you wonder if that has anything to do with some of the struggles along those lines um We'll listen to here to uh, Jamir Cromaw from the defensive line, talking a little bit about this uh, Georgia Southern matchup uh, during weekly media uh, availability for some players. Uh, listen to what he had to say about um, Jamie's defensive line, their dominance up front, and you know what they have to expect from Georgia Southern. Honestly, it's kind of hard to come up with a new question about how good defensive line has been every yeah, But, yeah. um, like, is it surprising at all to you, just how dominant you guys have been as a uh, unit?
1: I mean, like, for us as a unit, very strong as a unit, we just a unit that don't be satisfied. So we just continue to work hard every day, take it one day at a time, and, you know, turn things up to another level. I mean, you guys are one of the top defensive lines in the country right. um what kind of like what level of confidence does that kind of just bring to you guys as um, it brings great confidence but the way that you build confidence is through your preparation and my position coach coach is really big on preparation big on the details because the little things matter and when you don't pay attention to little things that's when it costs you so you always got to pay attention to the details because you're going to need to pay attention to those details when it comes to the game Talk a little bit about Georgia Southern. What challenges do you see from them from a defensive standpoint this week? I feel, one, you know, Georgia Southern, they're a well-coached team, well-coached offense. Got a good quarterback, good O-line, good receiver core, good running back. So, very good offense. Heard that they won the top offense in the conference. But things that I've seen on film is that they like to throw a ball a lot. They run, uh, do a lot of screen plays, a lot of different things. and mix a lot of things up, do trick plays. But, Really, why I've seen a lot of that, they like to throw the ball a lot. Tyson was talking about how there's still, you know, just talk about what happened last year against Georgia Southern. Mm-hmm. What's that
0: kind of been like in preparation for this week's
1: game? Um, I feel like going back to last year. At the time, going to Georgia Southern, week, we was ranked 25th in the country, and you know, even though we lost to Georgia Southern, they, you know, so other people's eyes, they beat us. But I feel like as a team, we really beat ourselves because. There's a lot of mistakes that happen on that field on special teams, offense, and defense that really cost us big time, especially like later on in the second half, and especially the fourth quarter, so we beat ourselves, but I feel like the team really got the message that um, that, that this is personal, this is what's going to fuel us big time, and we just take down the practice, get prepared, and make sure we're ready for Saturday. Does that experience of playing at Georgia Southern last year, did it give you kind of a Uh, at least a solid idea of what the offense is going to look like this year? Yeah, most definitely. I feel like, obviously they lost some guys on that team um, from last year, and they got some new guys this year, but you kind of know, feel like what they're doing and, you know, when you're watching film it's not like they're doing anything new but you just see that they like to throw the ball a lot. That's one thing that stands out to me when when I watch film. You know, just kind of going off, you know, you guys, defensive line's really solid as a unit, but Is there anything that you guys are trying to maybe looking to improve just to kind of take that next step if there even is one? I feel like one thing about it is that, like I said, like watching film, like they have a good quarterback, guys that likes to uh, run it go for – like scramble sometimes get a couple yards, and we just have to like be aware that he could run any time. So like with that right there, it's all about like getting back there, putting pressure on the quarterback, so that we could help the DBs out. But also at the same time, DBs go also gotta help to help out the D line. How have you seen yourself grow as a player this season? Ah, man, I see myself grow in a lot of different ways. I feel like the more reps I get as a player, the better I become. And just being in a lot of different situations and being there big time to step up. And I feel like one thing about me, I want to be the best player that I could be each and every day, always strive to get better, continue to not be satisfied, but... I feel like for me, just, like, just pay attention to the details. When you pay attention to the details, pay attention to little things, that's when, like, things work out for you. But if you don't pay attention to the little things, things do, uh, do not work out for
0: you. Obviously, sacks are huge, but it's a, it's an offense where they get rid of the ball pretty quickly. Like, Yeah. Um, how, what are the other things that you guys as up front can do to kind of disrupt their passing game when they throw it?
1: Um, One, we have a game plan um, for for this week. I'm not going to really go in detail with the game plan that we have, but we all know that as a D-line, we have to get back there, put pressure on the quarterback, give him like a hard time to not throw the ball. Because like last year, um, we didn't really do a good job of that, uh, putting pressure on the quarterback. He was able to get it out. So it's like we really got to make a big emphasis on good this in the pocket, uh, putting pressure on the quarterback, and try to make it hard for him. It's real challenging.
0: James, a lot's been made about your comfort both inside and outside on the line. What is it about your strengths, your skill set that allows you to find success on the end versus inside?
1: Um, I feel like for me, being on the edge, I have to have to do those things. And I've been playing the edge ever since I was in high school, like really taking DN seriously in high school. And... Me being inside, I have the toughness for it because being inside, there's a lot of double teams, a lot of things happening fast. So, gotta have the toughness and aggression. I feel like if you don't have those two things for an interior D lineman, you're not gonna really like succeed at a level you want to succeed at. So, that's those are two things with me as a player with those uh, two positions.
0: You and J.C. working together, how does it work? How do you guys make it work together?
1: I mean, one, I feel like as a D-line, you got to communicate. Me and J.C. really communicate big time, make sure we stay on the same page. But we feed off each other. J.C. has the energy. I have the energy, too. So when we both bring it at the same time, it gets other guys going. But we always make sure that we stay on top of our stuff.
0: Now that you're, you're you're getting the reps and you feel like you're you're getting better with more opportunity, you feel like your relationships with guys along the line, like it's just a lot better in your oh, team here? Oh yeah, most definitely
1: though. I feel like, you know, especially like when I play three technique, me and Jay Green, we always we always talking and stuff, or me and Carp always talking. So like even like when I'm at in, I always um I talk to Carp or whether it's like uh Tyreek uh, Tucker, you know, we always communicate each and every each and every way.
0: Jalen, after the last game, was saying, you know, his pick six, like, he basically was, like, kind of in spy mode there. Is that typical to ask of a guys in your position, or are you guys kind of asked to do more?
1: Uh, I feel like, you know, us as a unit, um, there's a lot of things that we do. So, you know, a lot of things be thrown at us, but we handled it the best way possible and executed uh, the best way. You know, compared to the hostile environment you guys had to play Georgia Southern in last year on the road, how big is it to be able to play them again this time in Bridgeport? Oh, I mean, it's real big. It's, you know, it's nothing like having a home field advantage, especially a game at home. So I feel like with the help of our fans, it's really going to help us big time to attack Georgia Southern at home
0: Saturday. So there you hear it from uh, Jeremy Cromaw. Earlier this week, talking about Georgia Southern, talking about the defensive line, how good they've been. Um, interesting topic there. Towards the end, when he's discussing uh, the home field advantage, obviously, down in Statesboro, that was a big crowd last year. They uh, stormed the field after beating JMU. Kurt Signetti, when he spoke a little bit earlier that day on Tuesday, um, you know, mentioned that, you know, things like a blocked punt, a turnover, to uh, really kind of energize their crowd down there and Statesboro Jimmy will have home field advantage this time around uh will be interesting to see though just how uh it ends up turning out uh, potential for bad weather on Saturday uh probably going to be some rain whether it's a downpour throughout the game or not uh hard to say hard to say uh who that is maybe the bigger advantage to um you know just football wise um where both teams both teams tend to like want to throw the ball quite a bit. Um, Jamie, maybe probably has some advantage if this turns into a game where you want to hand it off and run a lot. Although the Jamie running game has been a little bit disappointing so far this year. Uh, the Dukes do have a you know stable of good running backs, and they played through um, you know similar type of weather last year, homecoming against Texas State. Were able to handle that, come out with a you know fairly decisive victory. Um, but, you know, I do wonder, you know, what that means for the crowd, uh, what that means for people sticking around if it's a close game into the second half. Um, so you do have to kind of wonder it's, it's big for JMU to be back at home. It's white out. Um, they should have a good crowd, all things considered, but you know, how inner, how into it and how long the fans stick around could end up being a factor in this one, um, you know, chroma also, you know, talked about having a different game plan for the passing attack. Um, I think we'll see some interesting things probably, um, uh, probably try to utilize, uh, the, the depth that Jamie should have a linebacker with, I would guess at least Torres Jones, uh, being much more available this week after playing a handful of snaps, um, against South Alabama. What's almost been two weeks ago now. Um, you know, he, he should be ready to go. Whether Jalen Walker um, is a full go for this one, not 100% sure. But they'll have three really solid linebackers, at least, that I think um, could play a huge role in the pass defense for this one. Um, but it's just going to be, you know, a very interesting game across the board. Um, I think potentially the biggest challenge JMU has faced. And it's hard to say that when. You know you just you look at the schedule you know first you, you have the power five game against an in-state team that despite um virginia's record they've been quite competitive and in games against some good teams including jmu right down to the end um then you have the defending champs Troy you have South Alabama who knocked off uh, an Oklahoma state team and then just when, when South Alabama's at their best they're really good um and Jamie was able to handle them at home and so to say to do okay this is now the real challenge uh this week against georgia southern is not to knock any of those previous teams but it just seems like georgia southern is a program that is you know on the rise in clay helton's second season um and presents a particular interesting challenge to the dukes with what they try to do but i mean if you've been around uh JMU at all for the past you know week and a half if if you've picked up on anything, it's that they remember exactly what happened in Statesboro last year. They've been thinking about it since that day. It stuck with them. It dug at them probably as much as any loss last season of the three losses. That's the one that they really um, feel like they could have gotten back. I feel like they let get away. Um, And I think that Kurt Signetti and his staff have been thinking about what to do differently since that game ended you know, Since they got on the bus and left the stadium to the time they get on the bus to go to Bridgeport Stadium on Saturday, uh, what to do differently from that loss last year at Statesboro has been on their minds quite a bit, uh, in particular this past week and a half. So that'll just about do it for us, for me, until um, we get another sports writer in here uh, to help me out. Um, hopefully that'll be happening soon. I can't say much about that, but hopefully, hopefully that'll be, um, something we can announce at some point in the meantime, I'm Shane Metlin doing this solo for the time being, uh, you've been listening to the purple and bold podcast from the daily news record. Um, thank you for tuning in.